you, you sat here and talked about having life, and uh, Dan said that, you know, we're all going to die, and today that's my message, is <laughs> it's about death. It, it, it seems like we said when we started Philippians that it was all about joy, that joy is like throughout this whole passage, but then the first week we talked about the difference between joy and happiness, that, that happiness is an emotion, but joy is something that we have received. It's a gift that we have received from this spirit that lives inside of us. And then the second week we talked about how Paul was in prison in Rome and he's experiencing loneliness, but yet he was still joyful. And then last week we talked about all the suffering that he's going through and how uh, we can still be joyful in the suffering, that we realize where the suffering comes from and that we know that we have a sympathetic and empathetic Savior. And so today, he goes a little bit further in chapter 1, and uh, let's just get into it. He says in verse 18, Yes, I will continue to rejoice. There's the word joyful, if you didn't figure that out. I will continue to rejoice because I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. When he's talking about salvation there, He's not talking about a spiritual salvation because he knows that he's saved and he doesn't have to have salvation from his spiritual life, but from his physical life, he's literally in a Roman prison and he, don't know, he doesn't know what his destiny is. But he's going to trust in salvation, not only through the prayers of the people in the church, but through the spirit of Jesus Christ that lives in him. One of the few things that we share in common that we we're all going to die. It's just it. We're just we're going to die. We we understand that we are spiritually dead when we're born. And then eventually we will face a physical death. You can go back to Genesis chapter 2 verse 16 and it talks about to Adam and Eve, if you sin, you will die. We know that they ate from the tree that they weren't supposed to. They didn't die physically, but they died spiritually. Like, they became separated from God. And so then they needed a Savior. Everybody from that point on needs a Savior, needs to be saved from their sin. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Romans 5.12, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, that would have been Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. Every hour, 6,395 people die. It's kind of a morbid thought. And I... I think back as a child, the very first person that I know that died was my grandfather. His name was uh, Ivan Brunko, but his nickname was Brownie, Brownie Brunko. And he was the guy, here's what I remember, you know, I was like 11 years old when he died. But he was the guy that at First Baptist Church, Tulsa, Oklahoma, that would 
come in early in the morning. He would save seats for all the ladies. He'd put hymnals on the chairs and save their seats. He would wear these bright colored coats, purple and lime green. And everybody knew Brownie. The pastor would come over and we play pool at his house. And he, he loved us well. So I have fond memories about the very first person that died in my life. And I remember that death. He died of cancer in his mid-60s. Today, uh, in this room, it's, it's really difficult to talk about death. Because I've literally walked with many of you through death. Family, uh, friends. I sit here and I look around the room and I go, yep. Yep. Check. And so it's hard it's hard for me to talk about this. We it's just awkward. But let, let's answer a few questions. You know there there's so much out there about death. We know from 1 Corinthians 15 that death is an enemy. We know that. And then the question is, well, well, what waits for us on the other side? There's so many different theories of what happens. I still have to stick to the biblical truth of, of what I know. But like uh, universalism, a lot of the times we'll just sit there. Uh, that's a huge lie, by the way. It says, ah, oh, they're in a better place now. They're in a better place. Well, I'm assuming that they are if they knew Jesus. There's the annihilationism that is like, our soul ceases to exist, and we're just no more. That's it. Which you can go to the scripture, or re remember, you go to the word to filter all these things. In Daniel 12, verse 2, it says, Many who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to eternal life and some to disgrace and eternal contempt. Those who have insight will shine like the bright expanse of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So we know, we know there is life after death. Then there's those that believe in reincarnation, a place that you go to, uh, uh, you die and you come back in order to work off your sin, maybe. Uh, there's the thought of purgatory where you're, there's this place that you go and you work off your sins. You hear all these different things. Here's what the Bible says about death. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, it says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In that one passage right there, he says that you in this room are a body, a soul, and a spirit. A body, a soul, and a and a spirit. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that he is the Son of God, that he was sent here on earth Christmas time, and he died on a cross, his blood was poured out, and the forgiveness of sins was received by you, your spirit and your soul have been redeemed. tried to explain this to my nephew last week when he was here there's there's nothing more that he can do 
There, there, there's no levels of redemption. Like, I am completely redeemed. Everything I've done, doing, going to do, it's forgiven. I've been made whole. You're looking at a perfect person. Yes, I still sin. I still make bad choices, but all that was dealt with one time on the cross. One time. I'm redeemed. I'm holy. So when I die, when I die, this earth suit that you see goes back into the dirt and becomes worm food. Literally. It's, this, this is no more. But the soul and the spirit that you don't see that I want you to see, that's what I want you to see in me, is holy, redeemed, and perfect. And it's with Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.8 says this, In fact, we are confident, and we would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. I know that when I die, my soul, my spirit will be with Jesus. No question about it. I don't doubt that at all. If you're a non-believer, if you don't believe in Jesus, this world is as good as it gets. If you're a believer, if you're a believer, this world is as bad as it gets. And we're here to have life. We can have life abundantly while we're here. But Paul has this incredible insights to death. Listen, verse 20 says, My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all courage, Christ be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. We watched uh, one of those Christmas movies last night. Spirited by Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds. If you haven't seen it, I would encourage you to watch it. It talks about this unredeemable man wanting to be redeemed. And uh, it's, it's funny, it's great, it's very light. But let me tell you this. Redeeming oneself, again, is what Matt was saying. It's not based upon our behavior or what we do. It's based upon what Jesus did for us. So when this man is looking for the love, the only love, true love that he's going to find is Jesus Christ. And this is literally what Paul's saying. He's like, ah, I will not be ashamed about anything I did. He killed Christians. Paul killed Christians before he knew Jesus before he really knew Jesus. And he's like, that's all been taken care of. I, I, there's nothing for me to be ashamed of. Anything, that, anything you've done in here, there's nothing for you to be ashamed of because he's already dealt with it. In verse 21, it says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's a hard verse. Because basically it's saying, hey, it's better off to die. And you know what? I believe it. I believe it. To get, to get out of this earth suit, to get out of this earth suit and what awaits, there's better days ahead. But, but, but wait, 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 wait. Don't bell on me. He says, for me to live is Christ. Like there's purpose for me right here, right now. 
And that purpose is Jesus. That's it. it. You may think it's to raise my kids and be grandparents and all that stuff, but it, my purpose in life is Jesus Christ. He says, now if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me. And I don't know which one I should choose. I'm torn between the two. Like, I, I could live here on earth or I could die and go be with Jesus. He's like, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. I'm, I'm here to preach Jesus to you. I'm here to tell you about the good news that he died one time and he redeemed you and he forgave you. And you can have abundant life here on this earth right now in the midst of the chaos, the grief, the loss. He says, since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. I have walked through death many, many times with you and others in our community. But I have a, I have a special family that I want to introduce to you right now. All right, I'm Brent Higgins, and this is Deanna, and uh, we got to know Rusty years ago um, when our children were just born, and they're now adults with children. Uh, he was their youth minister, and uh, we're involved with the youth ministry with Rusty and got involved in mission trips through Rusty and had my first opportunity to take students around the world as a result of partnering with Rusty and the ministry there. And ultimately, um, our, our girls both went with Rusty and our son BJ was looking forward to his opportunity to go. And before that came, he had an opportunity to go with All Star Ministries. And he went for two summers with them. And the second summer contracted a disease while he was overseas that ultimately claimed his life. And as difficult as that was for us to negotiate, um, it was a time of truly pressing into the Lord and seeing the Lord be faithful to us in, in significant ways that helped us deal with the grief of that time. So Brent, that was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it was 2005. That's correct. 17 years ago. Um, yeah. And the ministry that he went with was All-Star and Walker Moore out of Tulsa. Right. And you guys, you talk about how you eventually ended up in Tulsa and doing what you're, where you are now. Okay. While we um, were in the ambulance, my son and I were in the ambulance uh, headed to the hospital because of the extreme nature of his situation at that point. I called uh, Walker Moore, who I didn't know. Um, to find out if any of the other students from his trip, from BJ's trip, had gotten sick. And that started a deal where we talked and prayed together every day while BJ was in the hospital. He was in the hospital for six weeks, and Walker's in Tulsa, and we were in Indianapolis. And, um, but that prayer time knit our hearts together. 
And after BJ passed, which was a, a surprise to us, a shock to us, and obviously very difficult to deal with. But after that happened, six weeks or what was it, six months after that, uh, Walker and I stayed in touch and the Lord opened the door for us to go down there and become part of All Star Ministries. And so I served there for the next seven years, um, raising up students and training leaders to go all over the world to share the gospel. Deanna, uh, ask you this question as a mom. Um, you you guys could have easily just been upset with All Star and gone that direction, but you guys literally uprooted from Indiana and moved to Oklahoma. What what were you thinking at the time? What what was it? What was that all about? I guess it just taught me that um, you know our lives are not our own. Um, we uh, we got perspective. I feel like it's not just about us. And I guess that's the truth that rang so loudly in my mind. And I just love the, the way that All-Star just gave there. It just seemed like they were asking students. It was such a great experience for students to uh, get a glimpse of a third world country, but also to realize that there's more that God wants us to do. And I think the perspective was the whole thing for me is it's not just all about us. It's all about uh, our testimony and uh, how the Lord can use us in spite of ourselves. And that's what it was about for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you're obviously not with all-star anymore. So what are you guys doing now? Um, I'm the pastor at first Baptist church, Maysville, Oklahoma. And it, it was interesting to, to be on this journey after BJ's life, because if you told me that I was going to work for a mission organization and train students and leaders to go around the world, I would have not believed it. If you told me I was going to pastor a church, I would have not believed it. And what was truly significant through this process was that we had two choices. We could press into the Lord or we could be angry at the Lord. And if we were angry at the Lord, we could go our own way, do our own thing and see what the results were. But we chose to press into the Lord. And as we did that, each step of the way, there was encouragement. There was affirmation from the Lord that we were doing the right thing, that we were taking the right steps. And that was such an important part of it because in taking each step, it built our faith. And as it built our faith, it gave us the courage to accept the next opportunity that the Lord brought before us. And at times, the people around us, the people in our corner didn't really understand what we were doing, but we knew that it's where the Lord was leading. And in the process of that, uh, our relationship, our trust, our faith in him has grown significantly. Yeah. Deanna, can you, like, one of the last questions I'll ask you, can you, 17 years has gone by, I'm assuming the pain is still there. Can you talk about that a little bit? 
Well, I do understand why people say not to move for a year because moving, moving was hard because no one knew him in our new place. And I, I long for that sometimes because uh, no one knows our past like you guys do, you know, and uh, I do miss that. But I, I feel like the Lord has just taken care of me again and again. Okay. I mean, I'm a teacher and he's given me teaching jobs wherever we've moved. And now I'm in a very good school. Um, I'm teaching pre-K through eighth grade and I'm just loving it. I'm doing something different every year, it seems like. And it, God has just really walked with me every step of the way because I, I keep thinking how much longer can I do this, you know. <laughs> But uh, he's given me grace, and uh, I just feel like if I, I just feel like I w- what I was trying to say a minute ago was the perspective. We don't have God's perspective. Our ways are not His ways, and I think He reminds me of that over and over. Hey, thank you for sharing your heart today. You know, I love you guys, and um, there hardly a day that goes by that I don't think about BJ and just the, the impression that he's left not only on me but some of my other students that still hang around Levener and other ministries around here. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we, we miss you all. That's for sure. Well, thank you for talking to us. Thank you for the opportunity to, to share this way. Absolutely. Love you guys. Love you too. Yeah. So BJ was 14 when he died and um, they obviously were close to our family. BJ would come over and hang out in Corey's bedroom and, uh, he was a few years older than Corey, but uh, left an impression on my family. And BJ, man, if he, if I had just had, you know, a week to talk about his story, he, he was an incredible young man. I always think about the teenagers that I work with now. And uh, if they figure this thing out at an early age, what an impact that they can have on their community. Uh, that was 17 years ago. Uh, there's plenty of people in this room that I could choose to talk to right now, but I, I asked Kim Schilling, who lost her husband two years ago. Two years ago, and this is, uh, this is hard, I know. I'm watching her. I told her I would uh, protect her in this time. So uh, life obviously changed for you, but it didn't stop. What was it that is causing you to, like, move forward every day you're good i'm always so strong until i have to like get the words out and then it's just like oh it's sitting right there there's that emotion um i feel like it's it's kind of dual um one is the um the lady on the video said it very well i mean this this is all God's plan and I don't know what it is and I have to just trust in it. And we know in the, in his word, he says in this world, you will have trouble. And so we're not all going to have, you know, the, the picket fence and the happy, happily ever after. And so I have faith in that and knowing that God's got a purpose in this and, and he's designed and built me to do great things. And I think since I've lost Jeff, 
I've really looked inside of who I am and what what makes me tick and what are my gifts and spending time just in that reflection. And that's really helped me own my greatness and to show that then to others around me. I feel like that's a, a responsibility that I have for myself to God because he's given it to me. And then also to honor Jeff. I mean, I, I, I jokingly say that I know he's looking down and going like, really, what are you going to do? Like he was a type a, let's build it. Let's do it moving so fast. I was more of the, let's, let's just think about this. Let's take our time. Let's just relax. And, um, I just, I know to honor him well, I need to move forward and, and make an impact on the world with Jesus as my guide and I don't know what the right word is for that, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He, you guys were in business together. You started the business together and you could have easily just like walked away from that and everything else, but you chose not to, uh, explain that situation a little bit. Why, why you continue to do what you do? Um, well, I, I do. It's, it's a great industry. Um, it, it, I'm in the entertainment industry and it's super fun. I get to go to church with one of my great clients up here, Craig and Kathy. So, um, but I, I love it. And, but also I do feel a responsibility to lead well and to be a light. Cause there's, I think people in business need that. They need that care. And I feel like that's a gift that God's given me to just I walk through the shop and I talk to the guys and I know about their families and I have that care. And I know that's what Jesus would want us to, you know, that's what he's about. He would go amongst everyone and get to know them and sit down and break bread. And I feel like that's kind of my mission field is, is the business. And also then too, you know, I've, I honestly feel like a lot of the reasons why Jeff's body broke down and he got cancer and passed away is because he worked too hard and he didn't have a good balance. And, um, I do want to manage that resource well, but I'm also trying not to let it be the only thing in my life. I'm trying to have a, a good balance there. Yeah. You did what, uh, Deanna said not to do. And it's like move. Oh, I did that too. Yeah. She moved, she moved from Phoenix to Indianapolis and, uh, I'm glad you're here very much. So, uh, I, I'm moving by the spirit now, so yeah, you know, you know, don't you? She doesn't know that I'm doing this, but you lost Mark how many years ago? Eighteen. Eighteen years ago, and how has that changed your life? Um. Well, first of all, Mark was ready to go. He was looking at heaven. And I remembered, uh, you know, he said to me, don't ever take me to the, don't, I'm never going back to the hospital. And so the last morning he was alive, he got up and he said to me, Meg, I feel better today. And I said, well, good, because he hadn't felt good for a long time and he was dead in five minutes. So it was like, oh, my gosh. So since that time, I have um, my kids were, well, they were young men. They're not old now, but they're older. Um, I have, I pursued a career. I had one. I changed. 
I and I just lived life as I thought the Lord wanted me to live it, so that people would know that, you know, there is life after marriage, after a good marriage. There is, uh, you know, you can pursue what you do. Since then, um, I got to know Levener. I got to know Keith. Um, and I learned that, um, even though my husband was a minister, I didn't know that, um, we had freedom and we'd live by rules and we'd live by, and I learned who I was in Christ and that I was righteous in that, that changed my life because I, I had freedom to move about. And I wasn't so world worried that I didn't keep all the rules. I was raised on rules. I raised my kids on rules. It was really sad. But, um, but the freedom that I have knowing that I am righteous, that I am redeemed, that I am whole, and uh, the sin, you know, God took that away. He said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I'll tell you, this rest is glorious. Mm. I, I knew I could come to you. <laughs> I knew it. I should just stop right there. Uh, the thing that I love about Meg, and Michelle and I talk about this all the time, is uh, she understands a pastor's life. She does. She does. And so she has encouraged me so many years so many years from north side to here uh and i'm i'm just thankful for meg uh i knew you'd have the answers verse 27 just one thing as citizens of heaven live your life worthy of the gospel of christ then whenever I come and see you or am absent, I will hear about you that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel, not being frightened in any way by your opponents. This is a sign of destruction for them, but of your salvation. And this is from God, for it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him since you were engaged in the same struggle that you saw. I had, and now I hear, and now hear that I have. Our suffering is purposeful. To live is Christ, to die is gain. And every one of us is going to die physically, not spiritually. Horatio G. Spafford was a lawyer in Chicago that lived during the 19th century. During his later life, he experienced many personal tragedies. The Spaffords were pretty well known for during the 1860s, not only for their law practice, but also because Horatio Spafford and his wife Anna were close supporters and friends of D.L. Moody. And during the 1870s, things went very wrong for the Spaffords. In 1870, the Spaffords' only son was killed by scarlet fever at the age of four. A year later, in 1871, they were ruined financially by the Great Chicago Fire. Horatio Spafford decided that he and his family needed a break from the events and from the events that happened recently so that they went to England for a break. In 1873, when Horatio Spafford's wife and four daughters were leaving from New York to England, 
the ship that they were traveling on, Ville de Havre, struck another ship and sunk, killing his four daughters. His wife, the only survivor, sent him a telegram nine days after the ship left the harbor of New York with two words, saved, alone. Horatio Spafford, upon hearing the news, left for England to join his wife. As the ship he was on passed the place where his daughters perished, the captain called him to the bridge. A careful reckoning has been made, he said, and I believe that we are now passing the place where the de Haver was wrecked. The water is three miles deep. That night, in his cabin, Horatio penned the lyrics to one of the most famous hymns of all time. When peace like a
not an easy subject but it's one we all deal with at one point or another we're dealing with it and I hope you understand the joy the joy that Paul expresses when he means not only do I look forward to death but having life right here to talk about Jesus father I pray for our families today I know that some are grieving But in that grief, we still have joy. We have much to give thanks for. And so, upon that, we trust you. It's in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.